I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Isotope and Native Instruments have teamed up to create the start-to-finish bundle that home recording guitar nerds have been waiting for. Plus, you, dear listener, get an extra 10% off with guitar nerds by using discount code NERDS10 at the checkout on isotope.com. From the creative spark to the final touch, their new bundles include pretty much everything you could possibly need, which is great because it's far too easy to sink hundreds of pounds and a big chunk of your time into just picking up random plugins. The music production suite 4.1 and Complete 13 bundle contains over 30 intelligent mixing, mastering and repair plugins, 65 premium instruments, 20 plus expansions and over 35,000 sounds. And if that's a bit basic for you, they've also bundled Music Production Suite 4.1 with Complete 13 Ultimate, which gives you everything that makes Complete 13 incredible, plus a colossal library of added synths, sampled instruments and effects. 115 plus premium instruments and effects, 39 native instruments expansions and over 65,000 sounds. It sounds like a lot. It is. It's very good, very comprehensive, and as we've come to expect from Isotope, it's very good value. If you're looking to get into home recording, I cannot recommend it more highly. And if you're already into home recording, it it really is the one-stop shop for making what you do sound better. This podcast is entirely treated and produced using Isotope plugins, and Native Instruments have been responsible for almost every synth or sample you've heard on our Guitar Nerds jingles. Check out their great new bundles on isotope.com or follow links in the description of this podcast and use discount code NERDS10 at the checkout for 10% off anything in the Isotope arsenal. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Hello, Mr. Gio. And from the 40 Watt Podcast, Mr. Philip Carter. What's up, nerds? (laughs) Exactly. What's up indeed? Well, it's lovely to have you on an episode, Philip. It's been too long. I don't know why I haven't thought to have you on an episode yet. Thank you so much for joining us. No, I'm so happy to be here. You know, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I've been a listener for a long time, even before I started my podcast. So being on here is full circle a little bit. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, uh, dear listener, I'm sure you are aware of the 40 Watt podcast. It is absolutely fantastic. The content you create, Philip, is, is excellent. You're a fantastic host, um, so, you know, dear listener, do, do go and check out the 40 Watt Podcast if you haven't already. Yeah. It's, uh, it's super. It's can super. can find it everywhere. 
exactly all the all the podcasting places that uh, you can find uh, normal podcast things anyway this uh, this week now that we've got philip on we've got matt on matt went to the it was the london international guitar show i don't know why it's called the london international guitar <laughs> show it doesn't make any sense it's a tiny guitar show that happens in a race course in kempton which is you know the arse end of london that no one it's not easy for anyone to get to anywhere in the country it's very I think weird. it's still technically in london isn't it but yeah even took <laughs> me, it took me an hour and a half um <laughs> You know, and I there is nothing international about it. Nothing. No, I mean, I, I technically live like not that many miles away. Mm. Uh, Fifteen miles. Yeah, and it took me an hour and a half. Well, that would have taken me an hour to drive, which is ridiculous. But that's London for you. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that because Matt's gonna check out some bits and bobs. He's bringing some of his favourite bits to the table, so we'll all talk about that. I also want to talk a, a lot about um, about Phillips guitars if if dear listener you're not aware of mr carter's um taste in instruments it is impeccable and he has some wonderful things of course he joins uh me and uh and (laughs) other podcast hosts like blake in owning a grez so we're definitely going to talk about that one of the best Um, guitars i've ever played well exactly exactly we're going to have a look at what's in the watch list although dear listener we're going to do a bit of a special this week and we're going to see what's in philip carter's watch list so i'm looking forward to seeing what that is i imagine that's all we're going to do this week dear listener i imagine we'll be talking about some of matt's guitars we'll be talking about philip's guitars so i doubt we'll get round to the to the news bit of a weird muted news i'm just looking at what i've put in like news of the week this week and i have the new 110 supro and the uh vegetrem Vegetrem, Vega, the Vegetrem, Vegetrem. Why did I say? Ve- uh, yeah, because it's all lumped together like that, like Vegetanes. <laughs> I um, just just quickly on the on the uh, subject of trems, I, I've I've seen a few adverts recently for a new trem system called right. the Virtual Jeff. Have you seen Virtual Jeff? Matt, the what? This you are losing your mind, Matt. We spoke about this. Did we talk about podcast? Virtual Jeff? It was in Gear of the Year whenever it came no, out. No, it wasn't. The Virtual Jeff Pro. Was it? Explain, oh my to, God. explain to the dear <laughs> listeners and to Philip what the uh, Virtual uh, Jeff is. As, as my boss would say, I've I've been asleep since then. Uh, the Virtual <laughs> Jeff is exactly what you'd expect. It's a man came called Jeff. He's, he's virtual. No, it is basically a virtual whammy bar for your guitar that doesn't require any sort of like replacement of what's already there it sits behind a hardtail bridge um and then it plugs into a box which and the box is basically a kind of whammy and you program it to do what you want it's a digitech whammy but instead of having a you know instead of having the the foot pedal controller the rocker thing you've got the controller in the form of a tremolo bluetooth connected or wirelessly connected in some way to your guitar i um I thought Virtual Jeff was, you know, virtually a joke until actually I watched some more videos <laughs> and then was kind of like, actually, maybe I want Virtual Jeff. I, it's, does it it's sound ridiculous. good? It's it so ridiculous like a, I've never even listened to a demo. The thing is, it sort of sounds like a whammy, but I like the idea of having it on a whammy bar. Right. Do, do you know, it sort of makes perfect sense. I think the problem is with all of these products is they can look 
bloody ugly. They look yeah. ridiculous. I'm glad you said it. Oh, my gosh. Um, now, is that your take on this, Philip? That's my take. A ridiculous look, product. Look, I... <laughs> I am. I realize that I am a millennial with boomer tastes in guitars, but Aren't we like <laughs> this is like, oh, uh, it's 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 so ludicrous. It's it's right up there with like the the MIDI pickups and stuff like that. That I'm like, I understand the function, I get it, but I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah. I sort of yeah. hate it, but then I saw people using it, and I was like, hmm, yeah, that's the problem. I could use it. I do you know? I don't know whether. No, it's sort of. It doesn't... Does it have MIDI out? Because I, I was thinking, like, it would be kind of cool. I mean, this is... I mean, Joe's going to hate me for this. <coughs> but I was reading an article uh, featuring uh, his favourite band of all time, Muse. And I was thinking oh, I about Matt... I, I was thinking about <laughs> Matt, the Matt Bellamy Manson with the Chaos Pad. Um, and then I was reading Guitar Player magazine from a couple months ago um, where they have, they're interviewing Jack White. And obviously, Joe, we've talked about the kind of crazy three pickup um, yeah. and these kind of guitars. And it just got me thinking about like the ridiculous things he's done to his guitars. Um, and I was thinking about the triple graph, which is obviously his pedal with the up and the down octaves. Made with copper sounds. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And sound I was just thing. like, I don't know. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. But, you know, what was interesting was I haven't listened to a lot of his new records, but on his pedal board is a Miku. And he's like, oh, yeah, I used it on this. I used it on this track. And I listened to the track and I was like, Irish, that's pretty good. Because you, <laughs> you can sort of tell, but you sort of can't. You wouldn't know if you if you hadn't have said. But then you yeah. and then you can kind of hear it. And I was like, actually, do all of these are all of these products ridiculous? And then it just takes one person to use it to go. Oh yeah, I uh, I don't know if Jack White's lost his edge. The Dead Weather for me is perfect music. That that is a perfect band making perfect music. I'm not sure he's playing come perfect close. guitars as well. Yeah, you know, because yeah, exactly. he he does play. I think his main guitar for that was the Billy Bow Jupiter. Yeah, yeah. yeah See, for me, guitar. it was uh, Raconteurs. Uh, that oh, was like I, mean, pe- I was really into the White Stripes. I got really, really into them. Like, so same. I'm from Mississippi. For listeners that don't know, I'm from Mississippi in the U.S. and 
blues music's really, really big to me. And I love the fact that the White Stripes came together. He and Meg came together to cover Robert Johnson tunes and then became <laughs> the White Stripes. I like, I love that you got to see in a band the evolution of rock and roll all at once, like the way it happened, like all over again. But so like, well put. Yeah, but Rack and Tours was like, to me, it was like the perfect evolution of that raw rock and roll sound that he had. But mm. so that was the end. Like Dead Weather's good. I, I enjoy it, but I really loved that Rack and Tours sound. Oh, yeah, by the way, I mean, Matt, I it love does have media. Ah, uh, does it? Wow, there you yeah. go, Matt. There you go. There's the solution. Yeah, I love Rack and Tours as well. Don't get me wrong. They're fantastic. They share a bass player, obviously, as well between right. uh, Dead Weather and Rack and Tours. They were a great band as well. Uh, it was just uh, the. Some of the the fuzz the fuzz work in the dead weather is just unbelievable. If you like fuzz, dear listener, you must listen to all three albums by the dead weather. It yes. is just an exercise is an exercise in insane fuzz sound. What was the name of the second guitarist in the Raconteurs? Uh, I don't I, it remember. I I always found him maybe a, played it a little bit too safe for me. Okay. Um, but they, they were still fantastic. It was just uh, Jack White was so sloppy and edgy. And the other guy was just a little bit clean, a little bit like, you know, when a session player plays blues. Brendan they don't, Benson. They don't want to play the wrong. They don't want to mess up. They don't want to have the note that they missed, you know, or play badly, you know, whereas Jack White will keep in all of that stuff. Yeah. All the bad takes. That's what I, that's what I love about him is that he was just very much a, the vibe was more important than perfection. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Well, I mean, dear, you know, dear listener, if uh, if if you if you like the Beatles, Philip, are you a Beatles fan? I do like the Beatles. I never got like real deep. Everybody's always like, "Oh, it's you're either a Beatles or an Elvis person." Um, oh, right. Elvis oh, is, is that from Mississippi. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a big U.S. thing. Beatles or Elvis. Uh, I grew up in Mississippi, so I chose Elvis. But I do really like the Beatles. Uh, but I was I never see. like like if you name a tune, I'm not going to remember exactly what most of those are. I'm going to have to go listen to it again. I'm like, oh yeah, I know this tone. Mm. Yeah, it's Beatles or Rolling Stones over here for obvious reasons. Uh, that, no, Rolling Stones every day. I, I, absolutely, and I'm a huge Rolling Stones fan. But um, yeah. if you want to talk about great sloppy guitar work, um, the Revolver Super Deluxe came out on Spotify, uh, dear listener, yeah, this, this so week. It's, it's very, very good. So it includes all of the sessions, um, you know, the alternative takes for songs. And, of course, you know, they're never playing to a click or anything. So there are ones where they get to into it and speed up and it's just way more rock and roll. They've also included things like the backing tracks to some of the songs where you get to hear just how sloppy George Harrison's guitar is a lot <laughs> of the time. But how his guitar tone is just... I know they were just recording as good as they could make it sound. Mm -hmm. And today that would be a lo-fi way of a lo-fi tone to aim for but it's so brittle and so raucous and it's just it's crazy to think that they were a pop band you know back then when you hear george mm. harrison's tone on revolver it's uh it's it's great it's it's worth a listen for fans of good guitar tone i would say uh but you've got to, you've got to be also a fan of sloppy guitar playing because it is very sloppy well, as as someone who declares Jeff Beck as his favorite guitar player of all time, I love sloppy guitar well, playing. Well, there you go. So. <laughs> the perfect example of a sloppy guitarist. 
Um, anyway, anyway, that was a good segue. Oh, fun. But we, we should, we shall talk about um, some guitar stuff. Philip, I really, we should uh, familiarise our listeners with you and your guitar collection. But first, why don't we do a what's in the watch list? We've sort of done, me and Matt have done this on and off for the last few weeks, showing you, dear listener, interesting things that we found in our reverb search uh, in our reverb watch list, uh, rather. So, Philip, what's uh, what, what have you got? What fun, cool things should people be looking out for that you're checking out on reverb at the moment? So, uh, it's funny, when we started talking about this, I mentioned, I said, okay, what's in my watch list that I won't be devastated if somebody <laughs> buys it before I can? Um, well, That's there's always a- the trick, isn't it? I definitely <laughs> yeah. have two watch lists, one that's appropriate for the show and one that I'm keeping to myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I've got, I've got a couple of those where I was like, I went by them. I'm like, nope, I'm not mentioning that. <laughs> not mentioning that. Um, so, there's a there's one that I, I watched because I owned a pedal by this company at one time, and I stupidly sold it because obviously I thought I needed something else, just like all of us do. And um, it's a, a company out of Korea called Mulan. Now, some people – now, I'm going to spell that because it's not like the Disney film. Um, it's M-O-O-L-L-O-N. Um, and they make – uh, they make really great high-end basses. Um, David Landreth from Brothers Landreth plays one. Uh, he's the artist I know of. There's a bunch of others that play him, though. Um, but they make these really, really rad pedals uh, in these acid-etched enclosures that have incredible art, which, because let's be honest, the most important thing about gear is what it looks like. And so... <laughs> um, but they're, they're great circuits. I had the delay, which has this acid etched butterfly and wording, and it's just super cool. So I keep a search going all the time for those for them to because in the U.S. they're underappreciated. Nobody really knows what they are, right. so you'll see them go for ridiculously low prices. They are top notch circuits. They're incredible pedals. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm looking for those all the time. They make a really good octave fuzz. Oh yes. Well, I'm looking at the Lotus Octa at, at the moment. Um, with uh, it has top mounted controls, so all the extra room on the front for the incredible uh, sort of lotus artwork that they've got yeah. on that pedal. That's um, a great looking. That's a great looking pedal. It is. Yeah. This, they did. Um, sorry, Joe. I was going to say no, th- no, this go. brand have been around for a very, very long time because. Oh yeah. Yeah, I. Uh, I, when when Philip mentioned it, I was like, oh, I've got a story about those. So they used to be. Uh, for UK listeners, some of you may remember, there used to be a massive guitar show in the UK uh, called, I think it was called Music Live, and it used to be at the Birmingham NEC, which is like a big arena, basically. It used to be like the UK's equivalent of NAM. We don't have that anymore. In fact, there's not many shows anywhere that are like that. You know, probably it was bigger than, I remember it being bigger than Guitar Summit, like a huge, huge yeah. show. And, you know, when I went for the first time, this was probably like 20 years ago, um, there wasn't that many brands. Obviously, the booty. I remember seeing my first Keeley modded pedal there, the all-seeing iMod DS1. I remember seeing Zvex for pretty much the first time. I knew they existed because of Matt Bellamy and, and and that kind of thing. And then I saw the, that brand, and I never saw them again. I never saw them in any shops you know, and I saw them that brand that always sort of knew that existed. It wasn't until recently that I remember seeing one come up for sale secondhand. I was like, I remember that brand. So I and I assumed they just they never took off, but obviously they've been going 
ever since? Well, I mean, you know, I'm looking on on Reverb right now, and other than uh, I've got my search set to everywhere, I think there's one in in the US for you, Philip, that I found, the Fuzz 14. Yes, Um, I was going to mention that one. That's an incredible silicon uh, fuzz face circuit. Oh, really? Yeah. Exactly my flavor of fuzz. Um, and, And then everything else seems to be in the Republic of Korea, or France or Italy, but you know nothing. Oh, the one in Argentina, but that's that yeah. They make to a, a they make a great looking wah pedal. That's that chrome enclosure with the acid etching. Uh, there's a few of those in the U.S. right now. I missed out on one that went for literally went for a hundred dollars. Oh my god! Because the one the one being sold uh, sold I assume new out of Korea is three hundred and twenty six pounds. So yeah, whatever that's four hundred three hundred and sixty dollars. Mm. But I guess um, for you in the US, you know, one thing I always see from other, you know, uh, guitar people uh, in that side of the world is like Craigslist. We just don't have anything like that anymore. We kind of have Gumtree, but there's never anything on there. But Craigslist like, is an adventure, Matt. <laughs> Craigslist. I know. We just, we, just, we just have nothing like that. Um, and we don't really have like pawn shops the same either. Yeah, no. but y'all have uh, what do y'all call them? You call them uh, cash converters. Cash converters. That's it. Yeah, yeah that's it. they are. You know, you get the cheapest, crappest uh, nylon strung guitar <laughs> and a few Behringer, secondhand Behringer pedals. Matt, we found that early sixties Vox AC thirty. We did in that, that cash and, and, there, and there was that uh, vintage fifty nine P bass that was literally like bass bad condition or something like that. And you're like, <laughs> what? Well, <laughs> well you've so got the, you you have the full pawn shop experience then because so when I was in when I was in college or university as y'all say in the UK, um, I was uh, I made my spare money by buying gear in pawn shops and flipping it. So, uh, like, I spent, I don't know, eight, nine years where literally my income was whatever I could find because I was gigging, too, at the time as much as I could. But, you know, you got to play a lot of $100 and $125 a night gigs to pay rent yeah, um, mm-hmm. and to pay bills. So I was also, whenever I'd go, uh, you know, I did, I, I did Southeast, mostly Mississippi. Um, so whenever I'd go to a town for a gig, I'd go a little early and go to as many pawn shops as I could to see what I could find that was under priced and buy and flip it but it is it it is the same experience the majority of the things you see are not the good affordable imports like the stuff literally nobody wants Mm. uh I'm in Mississippi, so there's lots of PV in pawn shops. Um, oh, really? And, is that is that that's uh, PV's big in Mississippi? Yeah. Well, they started in Meridian, Mississippi, which is about an hour mm. and a half from me. I've actually I've actually sat around and gotten drunk with Hartley PV. Really? Um, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, he's a, he's a fun to... guy. He's a yeah. he's very much an inventor, and so. Uh, for those that have been kind of critical of the way the business has been run over the last few years, it's because Hartley's not a business guy. He's bad at that. Right. He's just not. He's a very creative guy, though. So, like, I sat around and just talked about, you know, guitar and music with, with Hartley PV. Uh, his dad was a musician, so that's how he got into it. But, yeah, they started in Meridian, Mississippi. Um, and so there's a lot of PV in the pawn shops here, which some of it's great. Um, oh, of course. Of course. If you get some, older some it's also stuff. bad. Well, true. I mean, the older PV stuff is 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 you know as as good as it can get. Also, I hope you get a lot of those uh, 
the auto-tune guitar because that was awesome. And <laughs> we don't get a lot of... I haven't seen a lot of those just in general, just period. I don't I know, think a every, lot of them were made. Every now and again, I try to buy one and the only ones I can find are overpriced because I think people know that I'm looking for one. Um, oh, well. <laughs> nothing on reverb at the moment. So recently, Guitar Nerd switched to using Lewitt microphones, specifically the LCT440 condenser mic. Now, this mic is super affordable and very versatile. It's what I'm using right now. In fact, there are a bunch of videos from independent studio engineers with way more audio know-how than me comparing the LCT440 to mics three times its value and it absolutely holding up. Plus, this mic is as good for instrument capture as it is for podcasting, as it is for vocals, which is great because I don't like messing around with mics and I can literally use this for everything. The proof is in the pudding though so here is my Tweed Blues Junior recorded at a reasonable room volume using nothing but the Lua LCT440. Nothing has been added in post, no compressors or EQs. This is exactly how the Lua LCT440 captures the sound of Fender's greatest amplifier. Absolutely pucker. The 440 captures all of the depth and the character of the Blues Junior, and all I had to do was move it over the other side of the office and pop it in front of the amp. So if you're doing anything with home studio vibes, I strongly recommend this wonderful and affordable microphone. Check it out at lewitt-audio.com. Yeah. So yeah, but but like it's funny because you know I used to I used to run sound at a blues club in Clarksdale, Mississippi. It's also the club I played the most. Um and we'd get, you know, uh, touring blues guys, like international touring blues guys to come through and local blues guys. And some of the best tones I've ever heard were a Squire guitar into a PV Bandit. And no lie, like they absolutely killed it. Absolutely underrated guitar amp, the PV yeah. Bandit. Uh, but this, that's it. As soon anything that's class AB, if you can pop an EQ in front of something that's class AB, you probably can make a good amp. It's just you know, yeah, exactly. And, and the bandit, the bandit was a solid state, and it's just it sounded great. It, it if you use it right, that's the thing. Is like people try to make them something they're not. Hmm. You learn yeah. what they, do what they do. Don't try to make it like if you buy a bandit and you want to sound like a Marshall Plexi, you know, good luck. You're <laughs> yeah, never going to yeah. sound like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Well, they they are very good. But let's uh let's talk about let's talk about your your guitar collection because as you as you said you're a, a millennial with boomer guitar taste. <laughs> yes. Excellent guitar taste. I will add because of course you along you me and Blake all own Grez Mendocinos. Yes. Yeah, so um, I think you might have probably nailed the best one, Matt. I don't know if you know what Philips Grez Mendocino is. Uh, I do not. Well, I do so, not. So let, hit me. Let's, uh, let's talk about that. I'm going to pick it up. Not that y'all can see me, but um, <laughs> I uh, so back in 2020, 
Um, I used one of the uh, stimulus checks that went out here in the U.S. Uh, to buy a Dan Electro baritone. Uh, and that was your fault. Uh, just letting y'all know that was your fault, Joe. Y'all talked about it over and over again. I was like, well, now I have to have one. So I bought one. Great. And, Perfect and guitar. <laughs> it was a, it, well, it's a great guitar. It's a great scale because it can be both a bass six or a baritone. Yeah. Um, but then Phoebe Bridger smashed one on Saturday Night Live. Right. And the price, they all sold out and the price skyrocketed. And I was like, I could hold on to this. Or I could make 350 bucks, like, on the, what I paid for it. So I was like, I'm going to sell this. And so I went without. Well, I had Barry on the podcast, and and you and Blake talked so highly of them, and some other people I talked to talked so highly. And I really like Barry. Barry's one of the nicest people I've met in this industry. And this is an industry full of nice people. Um yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I want one of his guitars, and I need a baritone. Um, I'm going to buy one of his baritones. So I placed the order with him, and we got to talking about finish. We spent about an hour and a half on the phone talking about it. And I was like, I had this Dan Electro. I love that silver, that black sparkle finish that they do. And he was like, well, I do a sparkle. I can do that. And so we did this really rad black sparkle with silver and just a little bit of blue sparkle in it. So when like stage lights hit it, hit it, it reflects just a little bit of blue back as well. Absolutely um, amazing. Yeah, and it is it is one of the best playing, best sounding guitars I've ever picked up in my life. I may just be permanently a baritone player and be okay with that. <laughs> um, uh, it, and I've been I've been tuning all my guitars down a little bit over the years as I get you know older and I play and the style I play is evolving and my voice is I'm getting older so I can't sing the high notes like I used to either so uh-huh. I've been tuning down uh, I like my my normal tuning is now D standard so oh really oh yeah same yeah yeah I play in D I, I think D standard sounds incredible on every guitar and I think it yeah. should be the standard tuning for guitars uh, I, it just gives you you don't really lose that much up top. And you gain this lovely earthy low end that you don't yeah. otherwise have. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I ordered it. It came in uh, rather quickly. Um, and Barry is doing, and this is going to sound like an advert for Barry of Regress Guitars, but let me just tell you, like he does the reclaimed redwood for the tops. All his guitars are semi-hollow. Well, you can order a solid body, but most of them are semi-hollow with a um, one-piece carved Honduran back, Honduran mahogany. And it's it's not it's not book matched. It's not anything like that. It's one piece, and it's just the most resonant, cool guitar that I own. And I own I own a bunch of cool guitars. <laughs> embarrassingly so. So what it's are cool. you like what are you it. tuning it? Um, uh, to? I, that one's in B to B. That one's B to B. Very mm-hmm. nice, very nice. And of course, Blake also has uh, a baritone. Um, uh, Grez Mendocino. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm the only one who's gone for a standard tuning, but I'm making up for it because I just purchased and fit uh, a set of um, 13 to 56 flat wounds uh, onto my Grez Mendocino, and it has made it the greatest thing in the world. Um, it's uh, it's in uh, I don't know what, what is it. Where? C sharp standard? I get no, sure. no, no, not C. No, it's D standard. No, it's, it's half a. Uh, ooh, it's half a step down from D standard, and so then D drop flat? D. D flat, and then drop D. So oh, so mean? drop C sharp. Yeah, drop. Yeah, no, drop C flatted. That so it, that's that B one, yeah. sharp B. No, it's B. It's B. 
the the lowest string is B, but the rest of it's in D flat standard. That's correct. Yes. Okay. It's yeah, great. No, well, you know, I messed up. I'm going to tell you I messed up, and that I, that doesn't mean like the guitar is not amazing. But I think I mentioned in the group recently you were talking about you posted the picture of your one seven five that you uh you sold. Oh yeah. Which you know you know you weren't using it. I understand. Um, Barry makes jazz arch tops. Mm. Yeah, he makes incredible jazz arch tops. So I've already started to like plan my next Grez because I know that I want a jazz arch top, real, real bad. I yeah. think that was the one that um, when we've talked about them on the podcast, that's they're the ones I was like, well, if I was going to order one, I would, I would probably, probably the, have one of those. The guy just nails traditional build quality yep. that that sort of thing he just nails it there's nothing he's not trying to do anything else there's no nope. there's no quirks that are making it you know modern or like you know a, a classic guitar's looks with modern sensibility there's none of that it is just mm. a great classic instrument mm. i th- i think working class music the youtube channel uh with jason yeah. and tia um yeah. they they reviewed a a, a baritone uh grez mendocino and their take was this is the. I'm trying to paraphrase them because I can't remember the exact words, but they said this is the best guitar I've ever touched, and <laughs> and both of them work in guitar retail. So yeah, it, yeah. it's it's Barry is doing something special, and uh, you, the listeners, you need to get on board before he is back ordered by years. <laughs> that is uh, yes, uh, very well put. You absolutely do, because um, he will be. Um, yeah, let's talk absolutely. about let's talk about some of your other guitars. You got some great guitars. You got your junior. Did you get that recently? I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, so I've been wanting a, a Les Paul Junior for a while now, um, and just the right situation came across for me to get one, um, uh, which meant that they had the right financing option. <laughs> so, um, listeners, I don't recommend going into debt for musical instruments. But yeah. if, if somebody will give you zero interest and you know you can pay it off, do that. Um, so, yeah, I picked up a junior. Uh, I was fully prepared to get it in and send it back if I hated it. Like, it was one right. of those things where I really – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be picky. Um, and it was good. It was uh, – I like it a whole bunch. And then it took me a little while to – I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a, a good go before I decide I'm sending this back. Because it came in and it was pretty good. Well, it's taken me a while to find the right strings because there's the wraparound bridge that changes the tension. So I can't use yeah. the same gauge that I normally use on a 24 and three quarter. I had to really find the right strings for it and get it down to D standard. Um, and once I did that, it's it's just a great guitar. Opens up. One pickup's all you need. Especially when it's a Gibson P90. They're just, uh, they're just such yeah. great all-rounders. And I'll tell you what that I've I've had I've I'm a Gibson I, I I'm unabashedly a Gibson fanboy I, I love Gibson guitars I also love Fender you don't have to choose you can like them both <laughs> you can like them both um but and I've had a bunch of Gibson P90 guitars over the years nothing nothing truly vintage so I can't really speak to that I've played a bunch of vintage guitars but I never owned one the the current line of Gibson pickups may be the best pickups they've ever made. Right, really, wow. That's that's high praise. Considering, I, I think that's that's an almost an unpopular opinion at the moment. Gibson are going through this state at the moment where no one thinks that what they're doing at the moment is the best it's ever been. 
you know, that- uh, and that's where I wholly disagree. I've played a bunch of the new Gibsons, uh-huh. um, and this is now this is spoken with some Gibson colored glasses on. Um, but I, I, I think I'm pretty good at detaching myself and just recognizing, you know, a bad guitar. Yeah, Gibson guitars right now, on average, are better than any guitar they made in the 50s and 60s. Today, they're better. And I've played, I don't know, I've played seven or eight bursts. I've played a bunch of vintage Gibson guitars. Um, the guitars they're making today are better. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I do not disagree at all. I also absolutely love Gibson guitars. I, I've never, I haven't owned enough Gibson guitars. You know, I think this is a mistake I've made in my life. I went through that <laughs> yes. big, big, big stage of like being really into the, you know, the Japanese uh, sort of late 70s, 80s. Uh, copies of Gibsons and I think that kind of has made up the bulk of my owning Gibson style guitars other than the ES175 I owned an ES Les Paul bass for a little while oh yeah that that was very good and there's been a few other random bits and bobs but really not enough not enough I don't think I have ever owned a Gibson Les Paul really like it's just a standard Gibson Les Paul Exactly. I've never owned you, one, even though I've had like countless Tokais and and um, uh, Grecos and Bernies and even an all Orville, great guitars, you know. But I've never actually had a had a Gibson. Let's let's talk about like the the rest of your. So pick out some great bits because I assume you obviously must have some great. Les sure, Pauls. I am going to put another. I'm going to put a Gibson guitar on your radar, though. If you're not familiar with them, have you tried a Gibson Midtown bass? Um, ah, the, the mid- Midtowns. Yeah, the Midtowns. So that was the flat top kind of 335, but it was a sort of offset. Uh, yeah. A yeah. bit like the Les Paul um, Studio, uh, which which the guitar, the Les Paul Studio, had that sort of offset 335 shape to it. And the uh, – do, do I mean Studio? What do I mean when I say – I think you mean the Signature. The, the I mean Les Signature. Paul signature. I mean Signature. I yeah. Mean the, studio, so I mean signature. They, um, the one you're thinking of is the one they used for the Jack Cassidy bass. That was an Epiphone, uh, which yeah. was the offset. But the Midtown bass is actually more like a 339, the ah. smaller body 335. Um, and so it is a flat top, though. Uh, two yeah. pickup. It's got that wonderful mud bucker in the neck. Ugh, uh, just a perfect and- pickup. Yeah, which is a great pickup, but it's also got a great um, mini hum sized uh, bridge pickup. Yeah, it's I I think they're really rad bases. I know you're into semi hollow bases as well. I I love them. I, I don't own one right now. Actually, that's another thing that's in my watch list is the Gibson Midtown because they typically go for really affordable prices. Uh, used. It's not a classic Gibson. That's why. Yeah, yeah they they, I, they people underprice them because of that. I'm looking at one right now on. Reverb in Pelham Blue for nine ninety nine, a thousand dollars. Yeah, it's that it's ridiculous. They, Matt, they were the the bases we couldn't shift at GAC, weren't they? Were they? Well, I don't. We always talk about. Um, I'm just gonna have a look because we always talk about. No, I'm thinking of the Vegas. Do you remember we all? I always I always come back to the Gibson Vegas High Roller, which was the pink burst. Um, a similar thing with a flat top. I I don't remember them again. Mid to, midtowns, those sort of things. They were just I think as you said, they just weren't a Les Paul or an SG. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's that's, it, that's the way. It actually, works. they 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 were 
they were great guitars. They were great you, guitars, and the basses were very, very cool. You can still get a 339 for a ridiculously low price, considering the earliest ones of those were made in the custom shop. They're not custom shop instruments like you don't like they don't advertise them as custom shop instruments but they've got the label on the back of the headstock they're custom shop instruments because that's just where they made the original 339s and they go for super affordable money for an american-made gibson yeah so unfair yeah Yeah. so so you asked about other guitars i'll I'll give a couple of highlights um because i do have way too many guitars um for someone who's not gigging like they used to um (laughs) But I'll tell you a brand that needs to be on everyone's radar is Cower. So, uh, yeah, yeah. If you if you know Doug Cower, I've got a Banshee and a Super Chief, um, and both of those guitars. the The Banshee is the Firebird perfected. It right. is the it is super comfortable to play, and a Super Chief if you can find one. Uh, order one. I realize. I realize the price point on these guitars, listeners. I'm so sorry. I, I think um, was the band. We talked the one about them you last... were after that. Last week we were talking about. What's the one that you want? No, we were talking about the Super Chief. Oh yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, we're talking about the Super Chief. That that is that to me. That's that's the one. Actually, Anderton's had a purple one, a three pickup oh. purple one, recently. But yeah, as I say, shouldn't put yourself in debt for uh, yeah for guitars. I bought mine, so I sold. Uh, sorry, sorry, Joe. I sold my SVT um, and and <laughs> Your SVT micro. Oh no, okay. No, no, no. no. I kept the micro. I love oh, that thing. Thank goodness. Actually, that I bought that. That's amazing. I bought that because it sounded so good and was able to sell my big SVT because I didn't need it. Um, yeah. Right. yeah. So I sold my you know big uh, St. Louis made SVT uh, head, classic head, and I sold my eight ten and the four ten I had. I had way too much. Um, <laughs> I, I gigged those for a while and now I'm not embarrassed. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sad they're gone. They sounded great, but oh my gosh, the work. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I sold that and like immediately after selling the way these things happen, someone posted locally to me a super chief at a price that was almost the exact amount of money I got for the SVT. Ah. <laughs> and so I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh well, that's where that money's going, <laughs> and so it's a it's a all black with a black guard, gold hardware, which I normally hate, but it looks great on this guitar. Um, it's just a it's just a monster of a guitar. Very nice, and and with the with like the pin striping. Yes, around the pit guard. Yeah, yeah. it's a very good guitar. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, and like I said, embarrassment of riches. It's one of those things where I talk about people that either come into my studio space and, you know, or we just talk about guitars. And I'm like, do you have one of everything? I'm like, no, but it's close and it's embarrassing. But it's like, also, I know what I could go down to. Like, I gigged for 10 years with two guitars and an amp. And that was it. That's what I had. And a small pedal board with like four pedals on it. So it's like, this is an embarrassment of riches. Uh, you know, <laughs> somebody messed up and gave me an adult job with adult money. Um, oh no! Yeah, yeah. It was it's a bad decision on somebody's part. <laughs> I see. Uh, well, okay. So we've got the the cow. The cow is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The junior, the Grez. Um, talk to me about some other highlights or another. So, um, I have one that's. Uh, I've got a couple of you know, got a couple of strats, just like everybody should. I've got a couple of Telecasters, um, but the. A, a a one nobody's probably heard of. I have what's called a LaRose. L-A-R-O-S-E. Um, 
And it's his, oh, is it called a hollow man or a hollow boy? I can't remember. There's a picture up on my Instagram if you scroll back far enough. I'll I'll try to remember to post a picture of it when this episode airs so that people can go to my Instagram at 40 Watt Podcast. That's four zero, not the word 40. Um, They can see what it looks like. But it's a smaller bodied, semi hollow um, flame maple. Like this guy uses the best wood I've ever seen because his other gig, besides building guitars, is he sells wood to boutique guitar builders. <laughs> so uh, he gets like the it. select woods. Um, let's see. It's got. Um, is this is this the one with the PRS like lower horn? Yes, yes, it is. So it's got it's sort of PRS ish lower horn. It's double bound except when it gets, so the upper the upper front is bound. Then when you get about halfway down, it goes into a German carve. <laughs> it's, it's it's got a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, and the the binding is the most insane thing I've ever seen. So it's. It's double bound, but each binding is doubled. So it's first bound in tortoise shell and then bound in cream. So it's got <laughs> both. It's the most ludicrous guitar. Um, it's it's way flashier than I normally like. Um, spoken as someone who is not a PRS fan, no offense, Paul. Um, but the, the guitars just don't speak to me. But this one did. This one absolutely did, and in a way that I can't explain. It's got a Bigsby, like every good guitar with a trim should. Um, uh, LaRose guitars, check them out. Um, if you check them out on Instagram, they mostly post pictures of wood. <laughs> that's what he posts. So, um, yeah. Those, so that's the highlights. Um, I've got a couple of like, uh, I've got the guitar I've owned the longest, which is a Gibson ES one thirty five. I've got a 137 custom I bought only because the P90s and the 135 were noisy in some clubs I would play. So I needed something that didn't just buzz to all heaven. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. That's, that is an incredible uh, collection. I love that we're only, we're only just on the tip of the iceberg of, uh, of, of you know, your fantastic guitar and uh, guitars and gear setup. I'm sure. Oh, Joe, I've got one that I didn't even mention this one. I've got a an a, an original Harmony Rebel with the uh, with the sliders. Yes, mm-hmm. with the yeah. sliders. That guitar, so I bought that from Fanny's Music in Nashville where they had removed the original um vibrato tailpiece, which was trash. Let's be honest, it was trash. Um yeah, it was it was it was whatever scrap metal they could find to put on that guitar. <laughs> uh they replaced it with a um, working Bigsby. They did all the setup work on it, fret dress. They, I think they refretted it, got all the electronics working great. And now, what an incredible guitar. Yeah, it is very cool. The, the shape of those is just amazing. I love that it's... I love the way the horns are slightly offset from each other. It's just yeah. there's, a, there's a flow to the body shape that's just gorgeous. I, I think they are great-looking guitars. I love the, the F-holes on them. They're, yes. they're almost like the, a single line, like no bit of them gets wider, you know, like a normal. Uh, wait, that's a bad description. It's just a weird <laughs> hole. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, they're they're so, they're they're not your typical Gibson F hole. Yeah, they're they're really really incredible. Um, I like quirky guitars. Um, like I've had Les Pauls. I started this year with uh, two Les Paul standards, and uh, today I have none. So. Uh, <laughs> 
It's just one of those things where it's like, a Les Paul's great. It is, but I like something that's just a little different, a little quirky, a little oddball. So, like, Les Paul Jr. is good. I guess they're getting to be more popular and more common, but um, I, I like something that's a little left of center. It's why I have a 137 Custom instead of a 335, even though I love 335s. Everybody's got one. Yeah. 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 Yes, a very good point. Everyone does. I think I fall into that. Um, I like things to to be quite safe. Uh, you, you know, like I, I I like the three three five for being that uh, that normal thing. But but you're you're absolutely right for kind of looking for something uh, a little bit quirkier. It's, yeah, it's nice to be able to find those from the big guys like Gibson as well. Yeah, which is it, if you hunt, and they're usually more affordable. Exactly, exactly. That's uh, that's the best part. That's yeah. the best part. Now, uh, now, Matt, we did say we, we, we'll talk some about the London International Guitar Show. I wonder if we're going to mention some brands maybe that we're introducing to Philip for the first time, potentially. We'll see. We'll see what's, uh, what's about. Because I imagine a lot of what you came across was UK luthiers and things like that. Uh, yeah. Well, I was going to start with a couple of pedals and a couple of amps, actually. Um and then maybe how, how was guitars. the show how was the show in general it was very busy um it's the first guitar show i've been to since birmingham guitar show 2020 oh, blimey i think yeah yeah i've been to we've done a couple of other events through work but yeah guitar show they said this was the biggest one with the most stalls it felt very busy mm. um there was a big queue waiting uh, to get in at 10 o'clock um lots of a lot of secondhand stuff. So a lot. That's of- why I love that show. If you yeah. go to that show with a couple of grand, you will come away with something fantastic. Yeah, there I, re- was- I realise that's a lot of money to take to a show. Didn't so <laughs> yes. I just mean, I just mean they have great vintage stuff. You know, that's, yeah, there that's was. Um, I mean, there was like ATB were there. They're like obviously one of the really big vintage dealers in the UK. I think they had two. 1960 Les Pauls. They were like 300 grand each. Yeah, you should, um, Philip, you should check out ATB guitars. I mean, obviously, I appreciate when it comes to vintage Gibson and Fender stuff, you know, you, you yeah. have the, your spoils of it over yeah. there. But ATB are fantastic at finding uh, just really exceptional pieces and then yeah. charging far too much money for I, them. I think that's the shop. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I think Dan and Mick from that pedal show did an episode from there. Yes, they did. They did. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I've been I've been aware of them since that episode, and yeah, it's one of those things where it's I really really appreciate the shops in the UK, and I follow a bunch of them on YouTube and Instagram. But it's one of those things where it's like. Yeah, it's cheaper for me to get those vintage American guitars here than over there. Although, is it? You know, with the uh, with the oh. terrible pound, you actually. <laughs> well, don't get me wrong. I look a lot more lately. I look a whole <laughs> lot more lately because right now the pound to dollar ratio is well in my favor. Oh, so. Yeah. No, I mean it was. Um, it's cool, and it's cool seeing all that stuff, but um, you know, you kind of just look at it and you go, "Oh, wow." And then you sort of like, okay, cool. You, do you know, it, it didn't excite me as much as it used to. Yeah. Like seeing a 1960 Fiesta Red Strat or whatever, just kind of a bit like, eh. But I, I guess it's over the last year or so, Joe, we've talked about so many other cool brands and great guitars that are way less money, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it was very cool them being there. But, um, but, but. ATB do they are selling a trio of Gibson Heritage Series Carina 
guitars. So the, the Modern, the Flying V and the Explorer, you buy them as a set of all three yeah. for 32 and a half thousand pounds i think it's just it's you know there's some stuff there it was crazy money um interestingly lots of um strap pluses the guitar of my dreams with the three lace sensors <laughs> quite a few there a couple that caught my eye um, good money or, so, or too so much matt money? i know i know you've been like a big lace sensor fan because i listen to the podcast but um it's funny that you're talking about the strap pluses because that's what my sister plays that's her main guitar is a 90s strap plus that she has played we've we found again after it was stolen we found it in a pawn shop it's like oh, wow. that's her guitar that she adores it's a, a black one with a. I think it's got the red blue and gold lace sensors in it yep. it's got that that yeah, trio yeah, yeah. um what an incredible guitar so i know i know some players in the u.s that specifically only play the strap plus it's yeah. it's such a rad guitar yeah, they're, they're really cool. And actually, they went, they started going for like silly money and they've sort of yeah. settled at like 1500 I guess. Um, That's not awful. No, no, you know, for, for what they are, um, there was a particular, so I used to have a mid-90s one, so that had the rollerball nut, mm-hmm. um, which was the, the better of the nuts, and then it was the the kind of um, lockable bridge, but it wasn't like a Floyd Rose. So it yeah. had like, really good tuning stability with locking machine heads. It was like... I th- don't know if they called that the deluxe um but yeah there was a, there was a couple of bits there um there were some cool bases there you know i guess less of the kind of i guess we would say woolworth guitars you know for the uk but i guess like the cheap was it sears, sears guitars sears guitars there was like less woolworth of was a there. thing here too so right, we, okay. we had those as well yeah so less of those kind of cheap 60s catalog guitars um that you kind of saw everywhere at one point lots of more modern stuff at like fairly high secondhand prices i think where for the longest time secondhand guitars were really expensive because of the demand of guitar playing in general over the last two years and across like the pandemic um so yeah there was a lot of that on the ground floor joe and there was a couple of brands that we've seen before and we've talked about before like feline guitars flame guitars who we've met before there's a couple of other brands um downstairs um yeah lots of secondhand stuff and a kind of a lot of stuff that sounds awful really but once you've seen sort of like one vintage strat or one for les paul you've sort of seen you sort of tune out because you're just like i'm not gonna spend 50 grand or 20 grand or 10 grand <laughs> yeah i mean that's so you, why i had to start bringing the stop bringing the guitar nerds limited company card to those things yeah you just <laughs> you know and, and i i kind of think i i don't know i i think the only thing actually maybe it, it was more that i was upset one particular thing which was there was quite a few 1960s especially 1961 and 1963 uh sg juniors Oh yeah, oh. and they're about five grand now, and oh. I par xed mine for fifteen hundred pounds. At what point? At what point was fifteen hundred quid the going rate for that? Yeah, so um, not I mean, that long was, ago. It was, unfortunately, it oh, was. I mean, it was par exchange. So obviously, you're never going to get as much as. But I think that sure. store sold it. For, I think they sold it for like two, 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 three. I mean, it had a neck break at some point, but it was it was a really really cool guitar. But yeah. ultimately, wasn't playing it. Didn't get on with the way it played. So 
it was kind of pointless keeping it. Part exchange that for my 58 uh, custom shop Les Paul, which I then ultimately sold and then bought my Nick Huber. So, you know, what well, comes around... No, Huber and, guitars are amazing, so yeah. that's not a bad move. And, and that's kind of worth what the you know they are now there was quite a lot of cool jazzes so like hollow bodies uh 175s um that's three, my dream fives. guitar I, I mean i still want like a 125 um there's the kind of more of the studenty ones and I, actually I, oh sorry go on. i was gonna say i used to have a blues player named uh, eli paperboy reed he spent some time in clarksdale my hometown and in the the early 2000s he told me multiple times he's like dude buy a 125 buy a 125 because they were dirt freaking cheap in the early 2000s i'm talking like you could find a 125 like a 50s 125 for 700 bucks 600 bucks and he was like buy a 125 so he bought a couple of them and now i'm looking at the money they're drawing and i'm like why didn't i listen to him yeah i've even messaged him recently i'm like i should have listened to you (laughs) yeah uh, who who um, is the fellow who popularized them? Uh, What's his name? James Bay, is that right? Oh, no. yeah, he did play those, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, I, I can't remember if it, if it was a 125 he was playing. Is it the 125? Yeah, because the 125's not got the cutaway, but then they did a 125 with the cutaway, with the thin body. Maybe yep. it was something different. But yeah, no, there's, they're super cool. And actually, you mentioned Robert Johnson earlier. One stand did have a... L1, circa like 19... I think they said it was anywhere between 1908 and 1927. Oh, that's the one! That's it! They couldn't pick... They couldn't... It said like 1908 to like 1927. I don't think they could pinpoint the exact date, but yeah, they had the the L1. I was like, God, you know what would look great? A virtual Jeff. You know, just stick a virtual (laughs) Jeff right on the front of that. God! I would murder you. I would absolutely um, murder you. So, so there was some 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 cool stuff. I mean, the um, I guess the brand that you know, sticking on um, arch tops, the brand that stuck out for me from that was a brand I've only seen being played by uh, Tom Quayle in the UK, but he didn't necessarily play one of these models, which was Fibonacci guitars. Um, they just make incredible. They just made incredible looking arch tops. Um, but what was really cool is they made like these tiny bodied, like arch top jazzers. Oh, yeah. And they're just like, oh, they're just amazing guitars. One of those guitars that I was like, I would absolutely love to have one because it's amazing that you could tell they are really well built, you know, played amazing, sounded amazing. I'm just not good enough to play one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of looking at it going, yeah. I would literally never do that guitar justice. Um, yeah, it's a certain type of player's guitar. They look yeah. unbelievable quality-wise. I love the pickups you can get on some of them. They look like the early 60s Gibson uh, uh, pickups that you were getting on, like, the SG basses. Mm. Uh, but, like, guitar, like the black humbuckers with the pole pieces, they're very cool. Yeah. No, very, very, very cool. So, um, yeah, and there was, there was a lot of other brands there, but just... Um, yeah, quickly on some sort of guitars and amps, I guess. There's a couple of highlights. Um, well, I do want I want to mention, I know like with the podcast, because with my own podcast, we normally don't mention prices because those are so subject to change. Yeah. But on the uh, Fibonacci guitars, like I made the mistake of looking at their price list. 
Oh no! What is that? You've talked to me about it, and it's pretty stinking good. Oh really? Like, oh right. They I- do. They do a, uh, and I'm going to use the terms I know, right? They make a 335 style oh. with a single pickup, single floating pickup uh, that starts at uh, $34.99. This guitar, I mean, that's obviously a chunk of money, but this, it is a lot of money. These guitars look like I wouldn't have been surprised if it was starting at six. Yeah. Right. I would have totally expected like five, six as a starting point for. Okay. So they make another one. It's their Diablo. It's their single cutaway with the sort of like, I don't know, flowing F hole. It's not like an oh, F hole. Yeah. It's like this. It's very modern uh, F hole, but it's still, yeah. it still looks good. It's it carried very well. Starts at twenty four ninety nine. What? Yeah. Starts at twenty four ninety nine. They do one that they call the Californian. That's the single cutaway, rounded cutaway oh, yeah. with a single pickup. Um, that's very like archtop jazz inspired. Starts at three zero nine nine. These are much better prices than I was expecting. Right. No, they're still super expensive. Like I understand. Like sure, uh, sure. unfortunately as I've as I've gotten older, like my idea of what a budget guitar is has changed yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. But I sort of expect a like you look at like Gibson and even Fender, we can talk about the American Vintage series or whatever they're calling the new vintage pros or whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, twenty five hundred feels like the entry point for even a mass produced, yeah. like mm-hmm. pro level instrument. If you want it to, if you want a, if you want a classic Fender now, as in if you want them to make something that's kind of reissuey, then yeah, and you want it to be American, then yeah, you are looking yeah. at over two grand now. Yeah, which is absolutely you know, so. So crazy. three grand for a handmade small company, small builder doesn't feel unreasonable. No, no, no. I think very reasonable for for what you're getting here. Um, mm. Obviously expensive, dear listener. We're yes. not being guitar stops, but I no. uh, what I guess I mean is with the sort of woods used, the look of these guitars. Obviously, the build quality. There are plenty of people out there doing exactly this for five grand plus. So, same yeah yeah see the same thing yeah 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 i mean even if you do the fender mod shop now in the uk like most of the options come out at like two grand and most of the time rat. most of the time all you're doing is changing the color on something that you can buy standard right. yeah yeah so um so yeah but no that they were great guitars so i guess with the time we've got let's jump into a couple of other bits so yeah first first for me as I'm sure many people know I run two amps into one cab and my favorite amp of the last 10 years has been the the Morgan PR12 which is effectively a, a Princeton uh, mm-hmm. with a couple of mods just absolutely amazing and I've been searching for another amp to pair with it uh, in that kind of similar vein without kind of having two of the same the same thing and I came across this brand called Emprise EM P-R-I-Z-E, amplification out of uh, York, I think they were in the UK, Uh, just making these absolutely amazing uh, point-to-point hand-wired amplifiers. And the one that caught my eye uh, was the Mirage. So the Mirage, totally hand-built, point-to-point wiring, basically a two-channel 18-watt EL84 amplifier with two channels. Um, that kind of are based on the AC30 top boost channels. Super, super simple. But the great thing about this is it had... uh, So the clean channel's volume tone, the rhythm channel was volume-based treble, and then it had power scaling, uh, 
that then went from 18 watts to 0.1 of a watt, but it was a variable power scale. Oh, like on a rotary. Oh. No, no, like a, a, a just a normal. Well, yeah, like a yeah, normal yeah. pot. There was no like notches or anything like that. Great, great. Um, so what you're I- saying? This is the AC Vox style version of your Morgan. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I was like, I think that looked absolutely. I mean, everything that they made, they a whole bunch of amazing amps. You have to go and check out on the website. The other one that stood out for me um was the falcon so the falcon is based on a pre-cbs like fender black panel deluxe um, but it had a bunch of um additional front switches um for things like depth you obviously had like obviously reverb and trem on there Uh, i'm trying to get a better picture of the front panel so you had a level control a bright switch a mid shift and a dwell switch for the reverb as well so some really nice tweaks and you can actually order it with a whole bunch of speaker options as well Mm. although he did say that he would basically do any of his amps in any like chassis so i was like oh you've got me thinking um (laughs) but i really like the idea of the mirage i really like the idea of two channels um and then like super simple but he made some great kind of plexi style things and joe you will dig the one thing he made which i was i nearly bought it when i was there because i was like i just thought it looked so cool uh he makes two amps but the one he had there was called the mini which is a five watt single six v six um amp completely point to point wiring just volume and um just volume and tone speaker out and just like a great mini amp for like home use yes and he was like oh if you like this then you'll also like the bigger version i make which is still a mini amp but just slightly bigger and that was um the huxby uh so the huxby is a two channel version of the same thing um so it's a 12 watt 26v6 power amp with two channels both just volume and tone oh my god i love it i love um, it um you it could just so have this well on built. your desktop you could just have this sit yeah. it on top of your yeah your interface and have yeah. this permanently plumbed into your setup and always sound like great. i thought that was when i came home and saw that on the website i was like I wish it had one there because I would have loved to have seen it. I mean, the the mini one itself was so well built. It was so cool. Um, and I've always had a fascination with those kind of mini amps. And and But five watts, you know, five watts is still pretty pretty damn loud. Fine. Yeah. Um, but the 12 watt, I was like, oh, then that way you've got a rhythm channel, you've got a clean channel. And the great thing is, like you say, Joe, for on desktop, you've actually got a separate input for each. So if you want the lead oh, channel and a bit more gain, God. you go into the lead. If you want a bit more um, of a kind of clean or rhythm sound, just go into the rhythm channel. I love that. So I'll tell you with their amps. Um, first of all, the Mirage broke my brain because it's a Vox style circuit in a very Fender style <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> amp, amp like presentation. It looks like a blonde brown panel amplifier. like, yeah. And so it broke my brain. But I'm looking at these and I'm like, I, I don't know. And and because of the pound to dollar exchange rate, I'm like, hmm, point to point <laughs> wired. This yeah. this may be something I really need to look at because I there's nobody else. There's no one in the US making an amp like these at that price point. Mm. Uh 
That because honestly, I can get some of these better than the PCB reissue fender prices. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, yeah, super impressed. Um, do obviously their website. I mean, they made a five watt kind of champ trap the tramp champ with tremolo. <laughs> uh, they did a five watt version with reverb uh, as well. Um, they did a, like a twelve watt Princeton, an eighteen watt uh, deluxe, a fourteen watt Princeton um, with. Uh, reverb they did a 22 watt deluxe uh, just a whole bunch of cool stuff in a bunch of tolex options all the way down to yeah like kind of the mirage they've um, got an 18 watt super lead starting at 1049 oh uh, yeah i mean the prices again <laughs> the prices are amazing that mirage head was uh i think it's 1299 the website the one i think he had at the show was maybe starting at 999 Whoa. and i was like i'm in I'm in. That would look so nice on top of... I've actually got a cab in exactly the same Tolex. So I'm like, oh. Um, it was made for it. you gotta go. You got to go get it. Now. I know, Email I know. Him. But um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely amazing. Definitely going to reach out because I like the idea of having the kind of the Vox and the, uh, the Fender kind of running in stereo. So yeah, Emprise amps, super wow. cool. Worth checking out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, Joe, should I talk about one effect before we I think, round yeah. off? So, what we, yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about one effect. It'd be great to have an effects better in this week's podcast. And then, um, and then, Matt, Philip, dear listener, we're going to head over to the Patreon after that. And we're going to talk about some other things because there are a couple of other, I, we, we'll, we're going to have almost got through everything that was, you're like, I must talk about these in this list. Yes. There's so much more stuff that was there that would be great to talk yeah. about. So, we'll do that in the Patreon. But yeah, to talk about an effect pedal sounds like it was a very guitar heavy show it was very guitar heavy a lot of effects pedals upstairs a lot of new effects brands uh which is always good to see and a lot of people um doing new things so i will talk about uh bleak dish uh bleak district if electric i have never um, heard of this company so bleak district out of the peak district um Kind of a relatively new company, had his 100th ever pedal there. Um, has quite a few different ones in the range, but there was one that really caught my eye, which was, I, I mean, Joe, you would absolutely love this. And I could tell you now, Polymath needs this pedal. So the anti-static is their Velcro-gated CMOS fuzz with a micro-looper in a kind of mini format. So basically, you've got an on-off switch, which turns the whole thing on and off, and then a volume control for the fuzz. So the fuzz is kind of just set, but it was like perfectly dialed in. And then you have a micro looper and two switches, and the switches are range. So I think it went from like like 4 milliseconds to like 40 milliseconds on short range, and on long range, it went from like... 100 milliseconds to like three seconds and it's an always listening looper and then when you hit the button oh it latches into wherever you've set the time control which is the knob in the middle and then you can move that time control and it will stretch the audio quicker or faster depending on where you move the control and if you put it in latch mode it will just you can then take your foot off and then it will just it will just constantly repeat that but because it's always listening it's not like you've got a loop a section you just hit on it and it's just it's already grabbed a section of audio depending on where you've set that time control in the middle and then you can just mess around with it it was 
Oh my goodness. Awesome. The fact awesome. that this wonderful looping idea is coupled with fuzz just makes this fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um <laughs> uh I, I'm really sorry, but I've forgotten the person's name, but I'm sure uh when we send you this podcast when you listen to it, you'll you'll remind us. But um he was like, oh, no, I've just got here and I, and I haven't had a chance to up. And one of the strings are broken on his... He had like a strat, which he'd modded to just have one single coil in the middle. So he'd right. put a new plate on it. So it just it was just like a single a single coil in the middle. It was missing a string. Uh, <laughs> and he got headphones plugged into a Katana Mini. Right. And even with all of that and the noise being next to an amp booth that was just like cranking everything... yeah. It still sounded amazing. So oh, um, you can't buy yeah. anything. It's all sold out in his shop. <laughs> oh, I know. No. I think um, I, I think he said like more is coming. But yes, obviously, with a lot of the people there, a lot of the small brands, it's not their full time job. Of course. Um, of course. So uh, he was hoping to do more. But what was also cool was that the company he was using, he was like going for that. Um, you know, like a lot of craft beer cans now have that kind of rough like finish like wrapped oh, around the can oh, yeah, with yeah, that yeah. kind of like muted color the design grippy texture. Yeah, yeah they were very much like that which i thought was very very cool um so yeah the anti-static from bleak district electric i think i want one of everything he does I, he does the rec head as well which is like a cassette tape modulator you know that was also that. very very cool because that was rather than uh, things like the Chase Bliss um, generation loss, which is very much like your audio is constantly being processed. This was like a dynamic, lo-fi kind of thing. So you'd effectively set what you wanted it to sound like, and it would only sound like it when you like hit the strings at a certain sensitivity. So you could be playing arpeggios, and it kind of maybe if you plucked one or two notes a bit harder, it, it would like wobble in and out. And then as you played chords, it would literally be like you were stopping and starting a tape. Um, Amazing. It was wicked. It really sounded like a badly recorded cassette in a good way, but only when you wanted it to because of the sensitivity control, which is something I've not really seen. So, again, I thought that was a really, really cool idea, and it looked it looked great as well. Like, all of his stuff looked really, really also, good. Also, his prices are incredible for what yes. they are. Yes, absolutely. Wow. I mean, how, um, you know, again, how people... I mean, it's not their full-time job, but to, to put all that effort in and then still only charge that money... Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the anti-static is 139 pounds. Yeah. What? Yeah. It is disappointing, though. The only thing in in uh, in stock on his shop is his T-shirts. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, damn. Yeah. Okay. But well, very, I'm, very cool. I'm getting straight in touch. I'm going to see if we can get one of everything to, to mess around with because, yeah, yeah. They, they look fantastic. Well, um, on that note, uh, dear listener, it's uh, that is all the time we've got on this week's episode of the Guitarnets podcast. So Matt, Philip and me are going to head over to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. And we're going to talk more about uh, some of the guitars that we've seen at the show. Maybe, maybe we'll do a question. I don't know. I don't think we'll have time. We'll see. We'll see, dear listener. Um, plectrums have been sent out to people, uh, you know, so don't forget if we do. I'm not, I'm not following up on this so you need to get hold of me dear listener if, if we ask one of your we answer one of your questions get in touch with me like dm me on or how, get in contact with me via the internet in some way and i'll send you some free <laughs> gravity guitar nerds plectrums 
Now, uh, you can become a Patreon supporter for as little as a dollar a month. At the dollar tier, you'll get this episode ad-free and early every week. $5 gets you access to our Patreon special episode and our back catalogue. $10 gets you a lot, plus I'll sing you my thanks at the end of every episode. With Blink-182 getting back together, um, I am making everything punk pop at the moment. That's how I'm theming all the all the music for Guitar Nerd. So be a punk pop song at the end of every week's episode. You can find us on all your favourite social media platforms. Join the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook to get involved in our weekly episode discussion. Thank you for listening. Philip, thank you so much for joining us this week. Yeah, happy to be here. It's a blast. It it has been very good. I very much enjoyed it. Now, uh, uh, um, of course, dear listener, you can check out the 40 Watt podcast as well on any uh, good podcast streaming platform. It's a very good, very super informative podcast by a man with excellent tasting guitars. And check them out <laughs> on uh, on Instagram. Forty Watt Podcast always the number, not the letter. Where, 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 what main social avenues do you like people using, Philip? So my main ones, we've got a group on Facebook that's a small community. So uh, come on over there. Uh, Instagram, I'm pretty active on. I try to post and react to things every day. And we have a Discord server that we're pretty active in. So uh, all that stuff, if you go to the website, 40wattpodcast.com, or if you want to go to our link tree, linktr.ee slash 40wattpodcast, you can find all the links for that there. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, on that note, thank you for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the guitar nerds. Farewell. Adios. Jorrit Brown, Andy Hoffler, Holly Simpson, John Conway, Russell Healing, Paul True, Peter Pesh, Ty Allen, Yogi the Guitarist, Sean Hughes, Brian Hansen, Eric Emmer, Jeffrey Wax, Brian Einzler, Gavin Vanden Linden, Andy Manley, Marky Zau, Kandawaki, Simon Milborn, and Stuart Robson, Eric File, Joe Pratic, James Dore, A. Matthews, Kytopia, The Band, Scott Kennedy, Christopher Lowset, Derek Rich, 